0: Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Jonathan. I'll be reading the Bible today. And it's taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, five uh, verse 13 to 16. It's a pretty long passage, so I'll take a back time. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the lights of the world, a town built on hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a boat. Instead, they put it on its tents, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Good morning, everyone. My name is Scott. Really good to be with you this morning. Um, A few years ago, I read a news article about a guy. This is a picture of him up here. There he is. Uh, I don't know this man, but um, in the article, he talked about his intentions to retire at an early age. And by an early age, he didn't mean 50 or 55. He was preparing to retire at the age of 35. And of course, the question is, how? H- how could you afford... This guy must be filthy. He must be in a job there where he's earning millions a year, right? But that's just the thing. He wasn't. He just had a job as a regular engineer. But what he did was um, he, he 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 massively cut down on his expenses... Uh, any money he had he uh, he, he, he invested it uh, pretty pretty crazily in the stock markets he didn 't buy a house to have a mortgage, so his aim was to grow his savings so that they could earn enough for him to live off once he hit the age of thirty five Now, why am I talking about this at church it 's not because I want to give you all money advice, but here 's someone who 's done something different right Th- This is not the trajectory of the average Australian. Most of us aren't planning to retire at 35. But that's the thing about being different. You stand out. So much so that for this guy, the national broadcaster, the ABC, wrote, wrote a piece about him because he's it, just so different. When you stand out, sometimes it's okay. But, but if we're honest, for most of us, most of the time, we don't want to stand out. It's easier to fit in, isn't it? I mean, we don't want to just be clones of each other, but, but there's something safe about being part of the crowd. At church, we're going through a series called uh, Spiritual Habits for a New Year. We want 2023 to be a year where we are spiritually healthy. And so we've been talking about things like praying and reading our Bible. We'll get to something else next week. But this week, we're talking about godliness. And here's the thing about godliness. If you're someone who is godly, it will make you different from everyone around you. You will stand out from the crowd. And that's not always comfortable. But today I want to talk about why it's worth it all the same. Why it's worth standing out and being different. So here's what we're going to do. Three things. Firstly, I want to talk about what what do we mean by godliness. Secondly... uh, reasons why we'd be godly, and then thirdly, practical ideas about how we might be able to grow in our godliness uh, throughout 2023. So firstly, what do we mean when we talk about godliness? Well, the passage that Jonathan just read before, a really long one, that's right, Jonathan, thank you for bearing with us there. Uh, But um, it's very helpful. Uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he calls them, he says there to be two things. So verse 13 you are the salt of the earth. Salt is delicious, isn't it? <laughs> um, imagine going down, down to the beach and you buy a bunch of hot chips. Imagine there's no salt on them. It's, it's a bit of a letdown, right? You're missing something. Salty foods, they're not healthy, but they are delicious. Um, <clears throat> I've got this thing called airs disease. Don't worry, it's not contagious. If you're in the front row, you'll be fine. Um, but it means I'm supposed to have a low-salt diet, which is hard for two reasons. One reason is that There's salt in so much of what we just buy at the supermarket. The other is, I just like salt a lot. I I, want to go and get some KFC and all that salty goodness. It's salty, is delicious. And that's the idea about salt. It has a a, a flavor to it. Um, There's lots of flavor. So much so that if if the salt loses its flavor, then it's no good for you. You want to do what the pastor did, you just throw it in the bin. And Jesus is saying we're meant to be like salt. In that there's supposed to be a certain uh, flavor, a good flavor to our lives, a character to the the way that we live. That, that, That flavor to our lives is to be godliness. And then Jesus says something else. Verse 15, you are the light of the world. Has anyone ever been out camping? Like, I don't just mean camping at like a caravan park. I mean camping out in the bush where you're away from civilization, away from things like running water and flushing toilets. Has anyone ever done that kind of stuff? A few of us, yeah. Look, to be honest with you, it's not my kind of thing. But my brother loves it. So a few years back, he took me out proper camping with him this one time. We were out in the bush. And to be be honest with you, it's pretty stunning, especially at night. Um, I remember at a certain point in the night, that the fireflies came out, and you could see them just buzzing, putting their lights, uh, putting their little their little lights out, um, looking up at the stars. And suddenly, there's way more stars when you're out in the middle of nowhere than there are when you're in the city. Here, but once you put the fire out and everything else is pitch black, wherever there's light, it, it stands out so clearly. That's the idea here in in, in Matthew too. Where to live in ways that stand out, that can be seen as different by others. Different, not because we've got a crazy hairstyle or something like that, but but, but different because we're people who follow Jesus. We live where how Jesus tells us we are godly. He said, "Godliness is a, it's a distinct way of living. It it flavors our lives for good. It st- it makes us stand out because it's not living like." our culture expects us to godliness is about living the way god tells us to it's not god likeness as if we suddenly become like god and that we're powerful like he is or holy like he is or it's godliness it's living by what god says it doesn't make us different from our culture from the world around us in every way it's about being different from the world around us in the ways god tells us to be different godliness is god's way of living as i said before being different and standing out can be hard it's um, easier to fit in with the crowd perhaps you've, you've felt the pull of this in your life just to be like the people around you because there's a sense in which we know we should be godly but but don't you ever feel like there's times when it's just easy to do what, what everyone else is doing? Which leads you to the question then why do it? Why, why why be godly? Why be godly when it means you're going to stand out, when it means it might make things uncomfortable? Well, we'll get there, but firstly, I want to talk about something that I think makes Christianity really unique. Um, is we don't be godly so that we win God's favor. This is, a reason, this is not a reason to be godly. Don't be godly because you think that you're going to earn God's approval or secure a place in heaven for yourselves. As if you'd be thinking, well, if I do enough good stuff, then, then, then surely God can't say no to me. Friends, that is not Christianity. That is not Jesus but so many Australians think that it is. The, the, the common thing that, that Australians think about Christianity is, is Christianity is about being, is doing enough good so that God will be happy with you and you'll be in his good books. I remember talking to, <clears throat> pardon me, I remember talking to a Muslim man once. I was in, this was when I was living in Sydney. I was in a church there. And he came to church after, and afterwards we were talking together and, and he asked me about this. I can't remember exactly what he said. I'm going to paraphrase him there. But it was something like, do Christians say that you're saved by grace? It's not about doing good stuff. But really, you do need to do good stuff, don't you? In fact, it's about doing good stuff, and that's why God accepts you. That, that's right, isn't it? We talked about this for a while, and I want to say, no, 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 that's not Christianity at all. But when we finished talking, I don't think I convinced him. I think he walked away still thinking that deep down, Christians believe They have to be godly to earn God's approval. And it's not that he didn't understand the words I was saying, but this idea was so strange to him. And I think it's strange to most Australians. Most Australians reckon Christians have to be godly and do all this good stuff to earn their spot in heaven. But friends, let me be very clear again. That is not what Christianity is about. That's not the reason why godliness matters to us.
1: There's lots of reasons to be godly. That's not one of them.
0: Let me then give you two reasons why we do want to be godly. First one, because that's what God's grace teaches us. Uh, I'm going to go to part of the Bible now. This is from Titus chapter 2. There's a bunch of stuff in Titus chapter 2. You read through the chapter. It tells us, do this, this, this. Old men do this. Young, old women do this. Younger men do this. Younger women do this. And so on it goes. But then it gets to verse 11. And this is a really important part. Look how verse 11 starts. For. It's been saying a whole bunch of, of stuff to do. Ways to be godly. And now we get the reason why we're supposed to be godly. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. See, God's grace has come. It, it's appeared. It brings salvation. And, and what does God's grace do then? Well, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. See, God's grace, it teaches us to be godly.
1: What does that mean? How's how's
0: that work? Well, think about it for a moment. In your life, how has God been gracious to you? Think about the good things in your life. All of them are God's generous gifts to you. God has been gracious to you, but there's more. the 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 the, the greatest thing about God's grace, His His greatest act of generosity, is that He's given us Jesus. Jesus, who left his place of glory in the heavens, who came down amongst us, who who died for us and was resurrected to life. And he did all this why? So that we could be saved, so so that we could be in God's favor, approved by God, eternally secure, not because of any goodness in me, but because of God's grace to me, his generosity to me in Jesus. Jesus has done it all. I don't do anything. God's grace is amazing. And so when you think about God's grace to you, what's your reaction? What what does it teach you to do? It's to be godly, right? To be so thankful that this thankfulness flows out in in the way that you live. See, God's grace teaches us to be godly. This is such a strange idea. As a kid, maybe you got pocket money. But you had to earn it by doing your chores. Maybe when you were at school, maybe you earned a, you, got a, you got a merit certificate. But you had to earn it by being a good kid. Maybe in your work you get a promotion. But you've got to earn it by doing your job really well. We're constantly taught that if we're going to get anything good, we've got to earn it. But God's grace is so totally different. God gives us everything first. He is gracious, gracious to the utmost. So so, so, how do you want to respond
1: to this grace? You see, God's grace, it teaches us to be godly. It teaches us godliness. Can I say to you then, friends, when you're finding it hard to be
0: godly, when you're finding sin just seems to crop up every now and again, Stop thinking about all the things that you want to change about you. Stop thinking about how disappointed you'd be if you were God and you saw what you were doing. Stop thinking about yourself and instead get your eyes on God and his grace to you. Remember God's generosity to you because that's what teaches us God. It's God's grace that teaches us godliness.
1: Here's, here's another reason to be
0: godly. Right now, as we speak, God is at work in his people to make them godly. Right now, God is at work in his people to make them godly. Towards the end of last year, we visited my in-laws. Uh, they live on, on, like a, on the land, on a bit of a farm in New South Wales. And when we were there, uh, my kids planted some pumpkin seeds. They went out with their pot, they dug the holes, they put the seeds in, covered them up, gave them some water. And recently, we got sent the, the, the photos of the pumpkins that have grown. Because that's what a pumpkin seed will do, right? You, you put it in the ground, and it grows pumpkins. What does God put in his people? He, he puts in us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, he produces fruit in us too. It talks about this in Galatians 5. We read this before in the All Ages book. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Friends, do you see what God is doing in his people, what God is doing in you? He gives you his Spirit.
1: And the Spirit produces in you godliness. So why be godly?
0: Because you actually can. You can, not because you have some great power suddenly to to change who you are and change the way you act. But but you can be godly because God is at work in you. And he has the power to bring about that change in your life. He has the power to make you godly. Ever done one of those three-legged races? You know, where your, one of your legs is tied to someone else's leg and you've got to run the race and go. They're always funny because there's always one team that can't work together and someone ends up falling over. And you... The whole idea is you need to work together. And if you do, you can actually go quite a long way. But when you push and pull in opposite directions, when you're out of sync with each other, you end up going nowhere. It's kind of like that with God here. He's taking us in the right way. He's working to make us godly. So when we work against that, it can be painful. Right? It's frustrating. It's not good for anyone. But if we work with God, if, if, if we're on board with what God is doing, if we're seeking the same things for us that God is, well, friends, that is worth something, that's something worth doing, isn't it? If God is at work in us to make us godly, doesn't that give you every reason not to give up? to keep going, to work hard at it ourselves, even when we're struggling within ourselves, even when we're struggling with temptation, even when we're finding it hard to stand out and be different? Isn't it worth it? Because God is at work in us to bring about
1: godliness in our lives.
0: So then, Actually, how could we be building habits to do this? How could we uh, be growing habits of godliness in our own life? Now, each week I've done this. I've said I'm going to give you some ideas. Now, these these are practical suggestions. Some of these might work for you. Some of them might not. The idea is not necessarily that you go home and do everything that I've said here. But I want you. I hope these, me talking about this sparks enough ideas in you that you can think for yourself, what is going to help you be godly in 2023? There are two things I think it does mean for all of us, though. These are the two things we've looked at in the past two weeks. It's going to involve the Bible. Look, how will you know what God wants for your life unless you're listening to what he says? Remember what we saw last week? The Bible, it teaches, it trains us to be godly. The Bible exposes our sin. The Bible commends godliness. So if you want to be godly, friends, be in the Bible and also be in prayer. You pray for God's power to be active in your life, helping you to repent and giving you strength. Thank God when, when you see Him changing you. Ask for forgiveness when you mess up. and also ask God to help you see where you're not being godly. You know sometimes some of our ungodliness and our sin will be some of it will be obvious to us, but some of it probably isn't. So pray that God would help you see it and ask for his help to change. If we're going to make godliness a habit, I reckon prayer and Bible are two essential ingredients, but here are some other ideas. Firstly, give yourself time to reflect on your own life. See, life is, is busy for a lot of us. Often we move really quickly from one thing to the next, and then on to the final thing. And then finally, when you get to... Sit down on the couch at the end of the night while well, the telly goes on or you open up a book or you start scrolling through social media and it's rare for us just to stop and have a few moments to reflect on life, on how we're going, on things like our godliness. So maybe it could be worth giving yourself some time, maybe once every couple of months or so. Maybe you grab a coffee somewhere, find a quiet place to, for an hour or so. Perhaps you read a bit of the Bible, perhaps spend a bit of time praying but but give yourself a chance to to intentionally reflect on your own life and on your godliness. How's God been growing and changing you what What kind of things do you want to keep on doing? What kind of things do you want to stop doing? What kind of things do you want to start doing? Maybe having that habit of of just stopping pausing and and giving yourself a chance to reflect on life, maybe that could be one of the things that helps you grow in godliness in 2023. Here's a second idea. Make the most of one another. I'm not going to tell you who this is, but a little while ago, someone came to me, and they're after a recommendation They'd noticed there was um, sin in their life, and they wanted to repent uh, from it. And and so they were asking me, uh, who would be a good person from church that I could sit down with and we could talk about this with? Can I say, that is totally, absolutely, 100% the right thing to do. Sin thrives when it's kept in the dark. And God has given us each other. Not so that we have to go and tell everyone every bit of our deepest, darkest secrets and all the things we're ashamed of, but but the Christian life was not meant to be lived alone. We're here for each other's good. So make the most of this gift. That might be a little bit awkward at first, talking about our, our, our sin, our ungodliness. It's awkward not because talking is a bad thing, but but often because we're just deeply ashamed of our sin. But it is good for us. You know, we might talk to someone and and they've been through something similar and so they've got some great advice or can give us practical wisdom on what they did. But even if they haven't done that, well, there's someone now who knows. There's someone who's praying for you. There's someone who will check up on you. And I ask you how you're going, which is actually a really good thing because there's someone who's forcing you to reflect on your own life as well. And, and, and when you do this with someone else, sin is not being kept hidden in the dark. It's being exposed. Now, obviously, if we do this with one another, we need to be appropriate, uh, not gossiping, not having that judgmental attitude, trying to rank who's better than whom. But God has given us each other to be part of a church here together. So, friends, can I say, make the most of one another as you seek to
1: be godly. Let me end by asking you a pretty similar
0: question that I've asked you the last couple of weeks. This is it. What would 2023 look like if we were people who were in a habit of growing in godliness?
1: What would this year look like for us?
0: Let me pray for us, eh? Our gracious and merciful God, you have shown your great mercy to us. You have been patient forbearing with us. You have been kind and generous and you have forgiven our sin through Jesus. Not because we first made a step towards you, but because you reached out to us through him. Thank you for the forgiveness that you offer. Thank you for the security that you bring us. We pray, Father, that you would help us know your grace more and more so that we might be taught godliness. We pray, Father, that your spirit would be active in us, bringing forth the fruit that he brings. Father, we pray that you would help us this year grow in our godliness so that we might live to honor you and please you. And we ask for this because we need your help. Please give it to us. In Jesus' name,
1: amen.